Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the great testimonies. That's good, isn't it? So, uh, you know, this is 2008, if you didn't know. And, <laughs> you know, a lot of the prophetic stuff that's about 2008, one, uh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff uh, people have prophesied about this year. And one of them that it's a year of new beginnings. And uh, I think that's a good word, uh, you know, eight being uh, new beginnings in the Bible. The first day of the week, Jesus was, represents the resurrection. So I think that's a really a great uh, word new beginnings, and um, I was thinking about, just on a personal level, different new beginnings. One that I always uh, have a great memory of is when school would get out when I was a kid, and how you'd be so excited about school letting out for the summer, back when you were young and could play all summer, but there was always this little bit of sadness in my heart, even because, you know, you were leaving your friends and the fellowship and things that you had going that school year, you knew it wasn't going to be the same again. So, you know, I think that's what normally happens to us. Lots of us, we sort of, as Christians and, and people, a lot of times we sort of like to either live in the past or live in the future, you know, and we don't always live in the moment. And I, it's one thing that I've learned, because I've always sort of been that way, like sort of wishing things that used to be would be again or hoping something good was going to happen in my life and but I've learned to live in the moment in the last year or so. It's been really good for me, I mean, just to find finding God in the moment and finding God in the everyday. And I believe that, you know, the Lord really began, I mean, from my perspective anyway, last year, He really began to, to bring, I believe, a new season. I believe we're in the beginnings of a new spiritual season in the earth. And I believe uh, it can be sort of difficult to, to switch you know, and God's real long-suffering and gracious, and He didn't throw it on us all, all at one time. But I really was asking the Lord. I sought the Lord. You know, everybody, you know, you need to seek the Lord for a word for this year. Anybody ever done that in here? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. You should do it. The Lord will speak to you. I really sought the Lord for a word, and He gave me the word intentional. That was the word He gave me for this year. Be intentional. And, uh, of course, that's a word that's kind of loaded. It can have lots of definitions to it. Uh, you know, a lot of things you can be intentional about, but really you need to ask the Lord, what am I supposed to be intentional about? That's the next question. And uh, there's natural things that we can be intentional about. But there's also spiritual things that we really need to be intentional about. And that's sort of what I wanted to talk to you about is some of the things that we need to be intentional about. Now, what I wanted to tell you is there was a... The Lord sent a lady to speak to our church. Uh, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately... He sent her to me in a dream. And I want to tell you what she told me. It was a dream I had last night. This lady grew up in Los Angeles, and she grew up in a Hispanic gang. Okay, and she was, she had gang marking tattoos all over her. And she had somehow escaped this gang. And she was trying to communicate to the body. She was a believer. She was trying to communicate to the body of Christ the seriousness of gangs in this nation and that there was something that we really didn't understand as Americans uh, about how huge this problem is. And she was basically appealing to the body of Christ that we needed to do something about it. We need to know what was really happening. And one of the things she was saying in the dream is right now there's gangs that are planning attacks on, on neighborhoods in this country. 
and they're going to attack these neighborhoods, and they're going to take over neighborhoods, and the police are nowhere near ready to deal with such a thing. And the carnage is going to be incredible. And that we as believers really need to understand this and get ready. So really, what I want to talk to you about, you know, that was, that was her message to us. She was actually in this church sharing this. this. That's the second dream that I've had about gangs. Okay, and Bob Jones had prophesied a couple years ago, I think now, that one of the things that the enemy wants to do in America is bring the, the, the same spirit that came on in Rwanda a few years ago where people went to bed, neighbors went to bed one night, close neighbors, close friends, and woke up the next morning killing each other, fighting each other, for no, and they couldn't explain it. Later, they would ask them, why did you do this? They literally came, when, when people came, there'd be people covered in the blood of the person that they had just killed, and they could not tell them why they had done what they had, why they had attacked that person. There was, a no, there, was not a, like, there was no natural reason. It was spiritual. And Bob was saying it was, a, it was a spirit of anarchy that got on that nation and destroyed it. It was one of the great atrocities in our lifetime of what happened in Rwanda. Well, the, just go back and, and, and research it a little bit. It was a great atrocity that happened there. And he had shared that that's one of the plans that the enemy has for the United States is to bring anarchy in the streets of America. And I had this uh, dream I had about a year ago. Is uh, In this dream, I was in a church, large church, church I've been in. A friend of mine actually is a pastor of the church. And while I was in that church, a gang came in to that church and took over the church service. And I'll never forget sitting in that church service thinking, there's no escape. There's no way I can get out of here. We're trapped. And these guys are going to do what they want to to us. And uh, then the dream shifted. I was driving down the road in the car. And uh, <clears throat> we, uh, it was, there was anarchy. There was no law on the road. And we were, a, a tractor trailer was about trying to kill us, trying to run over us. And somehow I knew, I knew where to go and I knew how to escape. And we came up on the street and. I saw some demons, saw a couple of demons, like two or three. Then I looked up the street, and it was this is small town America. The street, there was fires, there was fights, there was, it was anarchy in the streets. Uh, and that's what I felt like at the time the Lord was showing me that was the plan of the enemy. One of the things that really struck me in the dream, Ann Murdoch was in the dream with me. And Ann Murdoch had been immersed in the Holy Spirit. Ann Murdoch was golden looking in the dream. She had a gold glow about her. And um, I felt like that, you know, she, you know, she was equipped to deal with what was happening in that moment. So what I want to talk to you today is, I want to that's what I want to talk to you, is, is I believe what God wants to do uh, is to prepare the body of Christ to live in this world that we're living in with all the situations that we have in this world and for us not to be overcome by the world and overcome by these things. That He wants to you know, protect us. He wants to deliver us. He wants the people of God to prosper in the middle of calamity. Okay? And that's really the heart of the Father. Um, but in order to do that, we have to connect in with the spiritual realm. And, and as, as the Scripture really teaches us, the day to connect into the spiritual realm is not in the day of calamity. It says in the, in the Scriptures, in, in flood of many waters I will not be found. Okay? Now that's talking about it's not talking about the waters of the Holy Ghost. That's talking about the waters of destruction. Okay? And it says 
And basically what the psalmist was trying to say is don't, that ain't the time to get right with God. It's when everything around you, when everything's on fire, when the world is coming apart around you, it's not the time to all of a sudden get spiritual. You need to already be spiritual so when that day comes, you're going to know what to do. You're going to, you're going to know how to take care of your family. You're going, to know how, you're, going to know, you know, you're going to know where you're supposed to be and where you're not supposed to be. Now, we may think we're ne- that's never going to happen in America, but I think we're deluding ourselves if we think that America has not got some difficulties ahead of it. And so, but now, I want to make sure. I don't want, you know, Jesus said, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. I'm not trying to put a burden or a yoke on anybody this morning. What I want to do is encourage all of us to, that God really is trying to speak to the church today, that we are in a new spiritual season, and God really wants to open up His world to us so we can begin to live from His world we can begin to see into the spirit realm and know what's happening there so we'll know what to do here. You hear what I'm saying to you? So, um, one of the things that happened in the Bible was these men called the Pharisees were so offended at Jesus and they said, we've got to do something about this guy or we're going to lose our nation. That's what they said. We're going to lose our nation. We've got to deal with him. And that sort of set in motion their plan to have him crucified and killed. But there was a couple guys, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, who didn't go with the plan. In fact, they went and got the body of Jesus and took care of his dead body and made sure it was, it was, you know, it was cared for in a, in, a, in a right way. And according to church history, those men, because guess what happened to Jerusalem a few years down the road? Jerusalem was plowed down. Jerusalem was burnt. Jerusalem was destroyed. And those people who were trying to protect their religious cause and their position and their place in life, they were buried under the rubble of Jerusalem. But people like Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, according to church history, they were spared. God took them out. He protected them in that hour. You hear what I'm saying to you? And that's really what God wants to do for us. But they didn't get protected in that that hour because in that moment they suddenly got good with God. They were good with God back when they were crucifying Jesus. You see what I'm saying? And that's really what I believe one of the things that we had to really get intentional about is this spiritual season we're in and and beginning to connect with God in the season we're in and function in the season we're in. And uh, I wanted to put Ephesians 1, 17... And 18 mainly. Are y'all okay? So it says that the God... This, all right, let me just read this. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray the eyes of... And I'll stop there. The rest of it is a really powerful prayer. But I, I want to talk about... Paul, the book of Ephesians is a very, very... It's a book for us right now. Okay, because Ephesians is not a book addressing an issue or a problem in the church. Okay, you know, like Galatians. Paul writes to the Galatians to talk to them about being legalistic. He writes to the Corinthians about them being so carnal. Okay? But he's talking to these Ephesians... What Paul is talking to them about is the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm. In fact, Paul uses a word in Ephesians six times in the words mystery. Okay? It's the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the will of God, 
uh, the mystery of uh, Christ and the church. You know, one of the famous scriptures we use in weddings, like, you know, uh, when he talks about a man and woman joining together, but he says, I'm talking about the church and Christ. That's a mystery. See, what he's talking about, he's talking about something that you and I cannot know unless we have this spirit of wisdom and revelation in our life, unless our eyes are open up to the spiritual realm. He's talking about, he's talking about in this book, he's, he's given us a, a vision or a blueprint however you want to say it, of what the heavenly realm is, what the heavenly, how we should view the heavenly realm, and how we should see what's in the heavenly realm so we can have it in the natural realm. That's his purpose in the book. And that's why he, says, he uses that word mystery, because the spiritual realm's a mystery to the natural mind, and it's somewhat of a mystery to the spiritual mind. But he does want us to see that God wants to reveal the spiritual realm to us. And God is beginning to do that now in the earth. He's really opening up the spiritual realm. He's really starting to let us see into the spiritual realm. And it's, and it's meant for us. It's, it's part of our inheritance. So um, we're going to need the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We are going to need to have our eyes open to the spiritual realm if we are going to be able to function as, things, as, as we move on in history, the future history of our nation and the future history of our world. Here's another dream I had. I have lots of dreams. Anybody else have dreams? God speaks to me through dreams a lot. Okay? And, you know, you go through your mind, like, gosh, if you tell people that, they're going to think you're crazy. But you find in the Bible some of the big decisions made in the Bible were made because a guy had a dream. I mean, major decisions. So I'm a big, you know, dream on, Lord. <laughs> Come visit me in my dreams. Anyway, when this dream, there was this house. Okay, in this house, I saw this house, and it was just a, wasn't really much to look at, really, a house. I mean, it wasn't the kind of house me and you'd want to run out and build or buy, put it to you like that. But it wasn't a terrible house. Uh, but I saw this house, and then what I saw, I saw the exact house in the heavenly realm, right beside it. There was a house in the natural, as you could see, but then there was this other house that was really there, that caused the house in the natural to be there. In other words, somebody had figured out what that house looked like and because they saw in the spirit realm and they built that house. Okay? The thing was, though, because they were able to do that, there was a connection between that natural house and the spiritual realm. In other words, there was a doorway in that house that, that you could go through, and if you went through that doorway you could go into the spiritual realm. Nobody knew about the doorway, but I found the doorway. And I went through it, and I went into this room of the house that's in the spirit. And when I got in there, I thought, man, I've got to go, to, I've got to go get everybody and tell them this and show them this and bring them in here. So I left the room, and I went and got... Somehow I wound up with some of these trucks, and I had these trucks, and I went and got you guys. And I said, get on the truck. We're going, and I'm going to take you to this house. And I started explaining this house to you and told you, there's that house you can get in if you there's a doorway and I know where it's at and I know how to go into that doorway into the realm of the spirit. Now think about it like this. What we do from here on out, we need to get the blueprints from heaven. Because what if terrorists, what if gangs invaded our neighborhood? What would be the where would be the safest place you and I could go? 
Yeah, there's a doorway. I can go right in here. They are not coming in here. They can't even find this doorway. You know, they won't even see us because we are able to escape into a hidden place. In fact, the Bible tells us in Revelation that will happen. It tells us that's what God will do. He gave the woman wings of an eagle, speaking of going into the spiritual realm, and protected her from the enemy. And it says that the, the enemy spewed out. He vomited out a flood, a poison, a flood of filth. And that's what we're seeing today in the earth. We're seeing a flood of filth that's trying to overcome us. I mean, I don't know about you, but you watch, there's certain things you watch on television... And here's what I hear in my voice, in my head. You need, to, you need to understand this more. You don't need to be so stuck in the spiritual world. That's what it tells me. You're all too spiritual. You need to understand this stuff that's going on in the world, and you need to be more acquainted with this. This is a voice in my head telling me this, but I really don't know who that voice is. That voice is the devil. That voice is meant to destroy me. That phrase that we should be... Um, so we're, we're too uh, spiritually minded to be earthly good. Y'all have heard that. That's a lie from hell. That is a lie from hell. The more spiritually minded we are, the greater we are on this earth. That's really the truth. And so what God wants to do is He wants the, the church now, today, He's beginning to open up. He is inviting people into the realm of the Spirit to learn how to go in through those doorways, to learn where those doorways are, to learn the blueprints of heaven. Learn how to build. We're going to build this building called the Father's House, the, the building. You know, we've got to see it in the Spirit. We've got, if we just go out and build it like this is the way buildings are built and this is what people want, that's ridiculous. We've got to see it in the Spirit and then tell the architect, this is what we're seeing we want. Design us a building like this. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? We need to design our lives like that. We need to learn to live our lives like that. And God is offering us that now. I think that's one of the things we've got to be really intentional about right now. I mean, real intentional about. Let's put Ephesians 1, 9 through 11 up there. Y'all okay? It says, uh, Ephesians 1, 9 through 11, it says, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention... See, that's really what the Lord's doing. See, there's the kindness of the Lord being released right now. God's being nice right now. That's what it's saying. He's really nice. He's being good. He's being kind to us. His kind intention, which He purposed in Him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of time of the time. It's talking about administration. It's talking about management. We'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But that's a really important word right there. Now, but this is it. That is the summing up of all things in Christ. Let me say that one more time, drifting Christians. That's God's ultimate purpose. Right there. The summing up of all things in Christ. Okay? Things where? In heaven and on the earth. In Him. That house I saw was a picture of that Scripture. It was the two connected the house and the natural, the house and the spiritual, summed up in Christ. They were connected. They had been brought together. And God, what God wants to do, He wants to bring the things of us, the earth, of us, of our lives here, with the things of heaven and connect them. Well, they're summed together. One plus one equals two. They're hooked together. They're apart. Do you see what I'm saying? 
And God's ultimate purpose, I'll tell you, God's ultimate purpose is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what He's going for. Everything's summed up in that person of Christ. So what God is doing now, and this is important you get this, okay? Cause you, and you can hear this one way or you can hear it the other. I don't know how you're hearing it. Okay, but what the Lord's desire to bring us into is where we are more in sync. Y'all know what sync means, right? We're more in sync with heaven and heaven's agenda than the earth and the earth's agenda and the pleasures of this world. Do y'all understand that? In other words, God is trying to call a people right now that are more affected by the, by the heavenly realm, by the spiritual realm, than they are of this realm here. Now, this is really important for us. If we're going to really begin, we've got to realize when we hear those voices that are drawing us into the world and wanting us to be a part of the world, those voices are meant to destroy us and they're going to cut us off from that spiritual world. You hear what I'm saying to you? Now, this is not an anti-television or an anti... You know, I just bought a 37-inch television. But I really, I, when they have a football game on, I'm telling you, I'm happy. High definition. Football's fun to watch on them high definition. You can see literally the blades of grass, individual blades. So I'm in good, I'm good. I, but there are some bad stuff. It doesn't have to be football, if you like football. <laughs> so I just want you to know where I'm coming from. But the Lord wants to bring everything together in Christ, okay? And we heard last summer, uh, uh, the, when we were watching the videos of uh, Jim Johnson, Bill Johnson, where he said, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Jesus Christ is perfect. If, if you don't see it in Him, you have to question it. And, you know, he mentioned Job. And what did y'all say he said? Job is the question, Jesus is the answer. You know how people get all into Job and suffering and all that crazy stuff people get into? He was just really just throwing that stuff into the trash can where it belongs. Jesus is the, is the perfect theology, not Job. You know, Jesus is. I think that's a wonderful statement where God really wants to begin to exalt the Son of God in the earth. And He wants to exalt Jesus Christ in the church. Okay, that's really important to God because He's going to sum all things up in Him. Now, here's what's happened to me is, and y'all, most of y'all know this, is I've really had some pretty good revelation about the Father. Do y'all know that? I mean, I have. I mean, if it, be honest with you, I have, whether you know it or not. I mean, it's not knowledge. It's revelation about the Father heart of God, about who God the Father is, who I am in Him. That is one of the most securing revelations you can ever get in your life. It will settle your heart. It will take a lot of fear out of your life. It will settle you. And I've also had a lot of revelation about the Holy Spirit in the last year. I thought I knew about the Holy Spirit. But honestly, I didn't really know. I still don't know. Holy Ghost. That's what I told people for y'all who don't know. I heard this old black preacher years ago who said, well, you know there's a difference between the Holy Spirit people and Holy Ghost people. Holy Spirit people are the ones who are sitting in church every Sunday happy and full of themselves and feeling satisfied. Holy Ghost people are people who are desperate. And see, I've become a Holy Ghost person. You see, that's what the Holy Ghost does in you. See, that's the one thing I feel like God has done in my life that I would count the most right is God has made me desperate. I feel a desperation in me. I feel a hunger for God in me. I feel a desire to surrender myself more to God now than I ever have in my life. 
And I'm going to even tell you this, this thing called brokenness. And I used to, years ago, but I want to get those messages off to our website. I've got to go back to our website. It's, I had to do all these messages. I mean, I lived in a life of brokenness. The problem with that brokenness, it was circumstances of life. It was a wilderness brokenness where, you know, things had to break you. That's a bad revelation. It may be one you need to start with. I'm not going to discount it totally. It's just maybe a beginning point. But I don't want to live in it. That's not a promised land revelation. Promised land revelation is this. Holy Ghost comes into your life and you feel a brokenness on the inside. Where He breaks you not apart from circumstances, apart from anything. You feel broken inside. You feel like your heart is melting on the inside. You feel hungry on the inside. You feel desperate on the inside. You feel like, I need God. You don't think that your theology and your understanding is so important no more. You realize it ain't so important. Or it's not so important. And see, what's wrong with the church? We, the church lacks people who are desperate. They, we really lack a desperate people, a hungry people. Because we're, we're, we're so wrapped up in our persona or we're, we're so full of ourselves. I've listened. Y'all listen to preachers on television? Any of y'all do that much? Here's what I see. I mean, I hear a lot of good teaching on this good theology, good doctrine, good truth, but you're not hearing this brokenness coming out of them. They're full of themselves. They are, it's like their ministries around what they've got, what they know. Now, I'm not trying to judge. I'm just telling you what I feel. And I think what God is looking for, He's looking for people who have this brokenness in them. He's looking for people who have this desperation in them. Who are really hungry for Him. And who desire Him. That's what we're looking for. And that's what the world needs from the church. The world don't need people who know a bunch of stuff. They need people who have, been in, have had an encounter with God. And that encounter has touched their life and changed their life in some particular way. And that's when people in the world are going to listen to us is when they find out these people know God. In the Bible, there were some people... Are y'all good? In the Bible, there was these people who were just these fisher guys, fishermen. They didn't know anything. They had no theological education. They had knew nothing. But they were just causing a big ruckus. And the people who had all the theological education, the people who were in charge, the people, the same people who won't kill Jesus off to protect their system. Talked about it. These people don't know any. They're uneducated and untrained, but they realize these people have been with the Lord. And that's what made a difference with those people. Let me read this uh, Ephesians 3.19 to you. Because here's what the church has told us. The church has taught that experience. We can't really put too much focus on experience. Right? That's a lie from hell. That is not what the Apostle Paul said anyway. Uh, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Now, catch that. Know and knowledge. Kind of the same words, right? You know something and have knowledge of something are sort of the same things. Except for those two words are completely different in the original Greek language. The word know means an experiential knowing. Okay? That's what Paul says fills us with the fullness of God. Having an experiential knowing of God, having an experiential relationship with God, having encounters that are really real with God. And that word knowledge, guess what it means? It means this. It's a different word. 
It, it means they seek Him to know, an inquiry, an investigation. Or do you see the difference? We have lived in the knowledge part in the church for the most part and exalted that. Well, the Bible exalts, no. Have an experience with God. Have continual experience with God. Don't have one experience with God. Have a bunch of experiences. Don't be satisfied. Well, you know, six months ago, I had this great experience on the floor at River Life with God. And I'm smug and happy. Sorry. I'm smug and happy. I'm so smug. I'm so happy. Because I had this experience six months ago. That's not enough. I had an experience with the Lord yesterday. Guess what? That's not enough. Lord, I need you right this minute. That was yesterday. That was wonderful. I'm glad for it. And see, what happens a lot of times, we see people who have these experiences with the Lord, and they get up and walk out the door and go commit some terrible sin. You know? But then you see people who over and over and over dip themselves in God, dip themselves in God, dip themselves in God, and they still want, maybe want to do some bad things, but there's going to come a, a day when they're going to make a decision. The day will come where they're going to either, I'm done with that, I'm going on out here in the world, or... I'm done with that. I'm done with that, and I'm Holy Ghost. You see what I'm saying? And that's the attitude that we have to take. That's the attitude of a hungry and desperate man or woman. And that's what the church lacks, is a lack of hunger, a lack of uh, desperation, a lack of brokenness. And that's what we've got to have to get into that spiritual world. So God values experience over knowledge. You hear what I'm saying? God values experience over And you need to have some experiences with the Lord. And if you're hungry, you will. You really will. You'll go after God. All right, let me read this Ephesians 5.18. I'm not going to ask you if you're all right again. Right, good. Quit asking. Uh, if you aren't not, I can't really help you right now. Call for counseling. Please don't. Don't counsel. I can't help you. You'd be even worse mad. I had a guy one time come. He's all upset. I thought, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. I started weeping on the guy who's complaining about what God was doing. I started breaking out crying. I said, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. You, I can't help you. I can't do anything about it. I'm not going to stop the best thing that's ever happened in my life. I tell people all the time, if I'm dreaming, please don't wake me up. I'm just happy in this dream. I'm, a one, I'm happy in my dreamland. Well, this is what the Bible tells us. Ephesians 5.18, Do not get, get drunk with wine, for that is a waste or dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. In other words, this is something that we need to have going on in our life all the time. Okay? All the time. It's not a one-time event. It's not, you know, I'm not going to go into all that, but the Holy Ghost experienced over and over. Okay, over and over, the Holy Ghost experience, over and over and over and over and over. Don't let somebody tell you the next time they have an altar call, you already did it and you shouldn't go get it. That's a lie from hell. That's the devil. Or that's pride on your part, which is from the devil. It's all, you see what I'm But when you have this experience over, it's going to lead you into a greater revelation of the Father and His love for you and your identity and your security. But I'll tell you the other thing, ultimately, it's going to lead to and this is the ultimate fruit is, is to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate thing that God wants to lead us to is that person of Jesus where He is the most exalted one that there is. And see, ultimately, that's our ultimate judgment. 
in our hearts, have we fallen in love with Jesus more? Do we crave the Son of Man more than we do anything else? And see, we can say we all do. I mean, I loved the Lord before. I loved the Holy Spirit before. I loved Jesus before. But I, I don't... But there's something else now. There's a greater love. There's a greater intensity in my heart, and I think in others' hearts, towards this person of Christ, towards the Holy Spirit, towards the Father. Are y'all with me now? You see, some of us have this spirit of reserve on us. You see, we've got to get that off in us. We've got to get the spirit of reserve. It's not good. It's not good for you. Now, here's the truth about, the, about you. If you have this, you still love the Lord. You're, and you're still growing in the Lord, but it's a lot slower than it should be. Now, I know this for a fact because I lived it for years. Okay, it's when I got rid of that spirit of reserve and, and abandoned myself totally, and I'm not saying totally, totally as much as I know right now. I may find out I'm at 8% on a scale of 100, and 100 full, you know. I got 92 more cent to go. But where I'm at now in the Lord, I realized when I gave more of myself, abandoned myself more to Him than ever, then I realized I had more capacity in me to love God and to experience God. And are y'all hearing that? And I don't, I don't, I'm concerned about us. When I was growing up, I was a really picky eater. I didn't like no food, especially the food we ate at our house. Some people like that kind of food. It was all homegrown stuff. Everything came out of the garden. If you ate bacon, it was because you killed a hog at one point. <laughs> we did all that stuff. I, I hated that kind of stuff. I hated gardens, hated hogs. You know what I like to do about the hogs? I had one job on the hogs. Throw some corn down there, and I sit there with the rifle because I could shoot it right between the eyes. I was the expert marksman. <laughs> Dead, I'm done. <laughs> that was my job. Shoot it, and then somebody else could fix it. Do all the other stuff. Anyway, so what I was an expert at also was tricking my parents about eating because they'd set this food, and I'd think, I don't want that. I didn't know what I wanted. I just didn't like that. I mean, I could be playing all day and eat nothing and not want to eat it so bad. So I'd take a couple bites while they were watching because they would say, you're eating it. You know, and I was scared of my mom and daddy, so I'd do what they told me to do while they were looking. But what I'd do is we had dogs. <laughs> I'd slide it off to the dogs, and then I would spread the rest of it out real good. It looked like I ate. But now, this is what happened to me. I was really a skinny kid, and I was a sickly kid because I was a picky eater. You hear what I'm saying to you? I was a picky eater. And that's what we have in the church is a bunch of picky eaters. Somebody comes and delivers a word and because we don't like the way that person delivers it or the way they look or the way they act, we refuse it. And that's wrong. It makes you a sickly person spiritually. And the church is full of sickliness is because we're not eating what the Father says. Listen, you're going to be in my house? Guess who decides the menu? You know what I did? We had this phrase in our Father's house vision. When the Lord serves, we eat what He has prepared. I took that phrase out on the second, and I got convicted about it recently. You know why I took it out? Because I felt like I had spent a year eating stuff I didn't want to eat. This is what you're eating today, Byron. I don't like that, Lord. Well, it doesn't matter, Byron. That's what I got for you. If you don't eat it, you're going to miss something. 
Do y'all hear what I'm saying to you? I'm just telling you the truth this morning. We've got to eat what he sets before us. And if you happen to bite into a gristle, you know, some of us are really offended by gristle. I am when I bite into it. Just spit it out. Spit the gristle out and eat the good stuff. That's what you do. Biblically, it's called extracting the precious from the worthless. That's how you do it. You extract the precious from the worthless. You've got enough sense, you've been around long enough, most of you, to know what's right and what's wrong. You've got a spirit inside that witnesses to it. The stuff that you really feel is not the Lord. Just because you're offended at somebody and the way they look, the way they act, and what they're focused, that's just, that'll mess you up. It'll make you sickly. And I know the Lord will send people to us, you know, that He wants, that will throw you off. Challenging. All right, here's what I want to say to you. God wants more brokenness in His people. Okay? He wants more brokenness in us. In particular, I want to tell you this, in particular, if you're a leader in this church, guess what? You need more brokenness in you. It's not The level of brokenness you have in your life right now is not satisfactory. And I'm saying that to myself first. There needs to be more submission in our lives. That's a very terrible word. <laughs> How about this surrender? Remember one there was one word that Kathy it's probably the only word that she really that I thought that was really I thought this is really God here. I hope we're getting it. But I don't know what we did because I know she said it hundred and ten times. In fact she said it so many times I thought I wish she would stop saying that word. I don't know if you can call it she said it all weekend. Spirit of abandonment. We need to abandon ourselves to the Lord. I was in the kitchen one point I heard and I thought, is she saying that again? Don't she have anything else to say? Are we not getting it? We need to abandon ourselves to the Lord. Okay, we got it, Kathy. We got it. No, we don't. I don't have it. You don't have it. I'm not abandoned enough. I'm not hungry enough. I'm not desperate enough. I've not surrendered enough. I'm not, there's not enough humility. There's not enough brokenness in me. It's just not there. I'm not satisfied where I'm at spiritually. I'm saying to God, God, it's just not enough. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. There's more. And I want it. And God will answer that prayer, though. If you ask Him for humility, He will give you situations to humble yourself in. If you ask Him for surrender, He will offer you choices to surrender to His will. If you ask Him for desperation, He'll make you desperate. He'll make you feel, I've got to have God. I've got to have Him. And I'm talking about him doing that apart from circumstances. I'm talking about it's a heart thing. But the way I find in to that is by giving myself to the Holy Spirit and saying, feel me more, touch me more. I'm not going to become a spectator in this church and sit back smugly like I've got what I need and I'm watching these poor people out here laughing and thriving and throbbing and, oh, yeah, that happened to me a year ago or that happened to me on this day. I'm not going to do that. And that's the kind of attitude we've got to get. We've got to get over that. We've got to become like children again when it comes to the God. We really do if we really want Him. If we really want to find that spiritual door. If we want to find that invisible door, the way into that door is to become childlike today, to humble yourself today, to get desperate today. Are y'all Okay. So, because I think, all right, now I will say this, true authority, true spiritual authority comes out of brokenness. 
the one of the greatest people that I have ever heard preach that had the most authority of anybody I have ever heard was somebody who I felt had the most brokenness on it and was Heidi Baker. When she speaks, there's authority, but it's coming out of brokenness. It's not coming out of that she's on top of the world and got it all together. And she's not that great of a preacher, really. But it's the authority that really makes the difference. And that's really what God's looking for in the church. There's this thing in the Bible about the alabaster bottle of perfume. Do you all remember that? You remember that story of that woman who broke that alabaster? It was everything she had. It was her whole life. It's all she had. Here's this guy, Jesus, and she breaks it on him, and he's going to die. And he's telling him, I'm dying. Basically what she's doing, she's getting me ready for death. And everybody was offended at her because they thought it was a waste. But that breaking spoke of what I'm telling you. That breaking was her heart was broken for God and she was willing to pour it all out for Him. And that's what we lack in the church. We lack that. I lack that. Well, there's this brokenness in me and that's the aroma of Christ that can get released in people. And when we, don't, when we realize we don't have that aroma in us, it's because we're too full and we're too smug and we've got it together too much. That's what I feel. That's what I feel about me when I look at myself in the mirror. I want you to know this. I'm not just saying I'm wearing you out this morning. I'm looking at myself and saying, you're too full, you're too smug. You've got it together too much. You need to be more desperate for the Lord. You've got too much of the world in me. Can I just tell you that one story I had uh, when, when I was going down to South America? I told you all this. I had this, this, I don't know what it was. It was a dream or a vision or something. And uh, there's this guy in this dream or vision or whatever it was. It was on an airplane going down there. I knew the Lord was after me big time at that moment. <laughs> he had me trapped in the airplane. I couldn't escape. Anyway, I knew this guy. I knew him from working with him and the day. And I went up and started talking to him in the dream or vision, whatever it was. And the guy rose up and basically said, you have no right to speak to me. And I'm thinking, what? And he started to attack me. Okay? To kill me. He was going to kill me. And I cried out to the Lord, Lord, save me. And the Lord saved me. And the Lord said, you know who that person is? He says, it's the world. And he said, Byron, you have too much of the world in you, and it's going to kill you. That's what he said to me. Oh, we're going down to South America to be, you know, to go do ministry. <laughs> That's what God was telling me on the way to go do this go ministry to all these poor people. And he's telling me I'm too full of the world, and it's going to, it's going to destroy you. I take it seriously. Like, I'm in trouble. And I think... That's the truth about all of us, to, tell you, to be honest with you. I think we all have too much of the world in us, and it's going to destroy us. But there's a doorway into the spiritual realm. And God is saying, if you will humble yourself today, and you keep humming, and you will invite the Holy Spirit to come and keep coming, I'll show you where the door is. And I'll show you how to go in there, figure out this world, go get other people. Hey, I'm going to get you. I'm going to take you into the, take you into the room. And by the way, that room that I went into was really just a very white, beautiful room. It was just white. There was, I didn't see any furniture because I got so excited I had to come back and get you. So, that's being intentional. That's good.
Well, I just received that word for myself about getting more broken. Let's just pray right now. Father, we, I don't want to miss this, Lord. I don't want to miss this opportunity, God, but just trying to control the service, Lord. We just want to just right now, God, just ask you to melt our hearts right now, Father. Lord, I thank you that this brokenness isn't that wilderness brokenness, God, but it really is. It's just a, it's a surrendering to the Holy Spirit in a greater measure, Lord, than we've currently done. Lord, I just want to personally say to you right now, God, I take me deeper. Give me more, God. Give me more fire. Give me more fire, more hunger, more thirst, God. I repent for being snug, smug, Lord. Being full, Lord. Yeah, that's right. Help us, Lord. We're asking you for help, Father. We need more, more help, God. Lord, we just make ourselves vulnerable to you right now. We purpose in our heart right now, God, to remove those walls that we put up, Lord. Those things that we fool our, our own minds with, saying that we're okay, that we're fine, that we've got everything together. Lord, Your Spirit has clearly told us today we don't have everything together. And we want to respond with that Word that You gave Byron intentionally, Lord. We want to intentionally be about the Father's business, which begins with inside of our hearts right now, Father. Scripture, it says, <clears throat> Those who fall upon the rock will be broken, and those whom the rock falls on will be crushed. And I think this is an opportunity today to fall upon the rock. It's the kind of brokenness, really, that the Lord is after in us. That we would fall on Him, fall upon the rock and be broken, and not wait till the day when the rock falls on us and crushes us. You know, when. Uh, when Moses was up on the mountain and Aaron gathered all the gold and threw it in the fire and said, oh, a, a bull came walking out of the fire. You know, they made this idol. And what Moses did was he crushed it into a billion pieces and cast it on the water and made them drink of it. <clears throat> That's not what we want. Let's fall on the Lord and allow that brokenness to come into our lives because we've fallen on Him. Um, this morning at, during worship I was on the floor and um, towards the end I started smelling like a flowery scent and I couldn't figure out what the smell really was so I was asking a word about it but I kept getting that story of the woman who came to Jesus' feet and broke the alabaster, um, that box at Jesus' feet and Addison smelled it and then um, so when Byron was just sharing that, talking about that with that story I felt like what Jesus was saying he was releasing that scent of that he's preparing us for our death of dying to those things so that he can bring us into just what he has that desperation. I just want to make sure I, I didn't I don't know if I got this 
point to you. I want to make sure you understand this. All this has to lead us to something. And what it has to lead it has to lead us to a love for Jesus Christ. If all we're doing, if it's not leading me there, and I believe it is, because I've had these thoughts coming into my mind about, I've had this revelation of the Father, I've had this revelation of the Holy Ghost, and these thoughts started coming to mind. What about the Lord Jesus? What about the Lord Jesus? You know where those thoughts came from? came from God. Because God is saying, that's where I'm taking you, Byron. That's where I want to take you. All things summed up in Him, in this person of Jesus. And I believe this person wants to reveal himself to us. I really do. That's why that woman was able to do what she did. It's because she saw the glory of that person. We don't, if we don't see that glory today, it's okay. God, but God wants to take us there. And, so, and everything I said, okay, everything, the whole purpose of seeing into the invisible realm is to see that person of Christ. That's the whole purpose. There's no, you know, that's God's ultimate purpose. There's lots of other little purposes. And I, did, I just wanted to make sure if, if we don't get anything else out of church, out of life, that we would get that out of, our, out of it. Okay? And I wanted to just read this one thing. I'm not trying to just wear you out. I hope I'm not. But it's Philippians 2.11. It says this, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And then it says, to the glory of God the Father. That's powerful. That is a very powerful word right there. So, that's all things summed up in Christ. That's where God's taken us. If, if you have any kind of other ideas, it's not there. It's all things summed up in Jesus. But it's a fun ride. <laughs> it is. Well, we'd really like to pray for you. So if I could get some of the ministry team folks to come up here and just move into a time of hands-on ministry. And uh, Sally and the worship team is going to lead us in worship while ministry is going on. But uh, we just want to dismiss the service if those, if there's those who have to leave.